0: To more of a comment than a question. As always, I'm Rachel Hartman, and uh, with me is Paul Connor, my friend and colleague, co-host, and just a plain old guy. <laughs> How's it going, Paul? <laughs> <laughs>
1: plain old guy. <laughs> um, th- thank you <laughs> for that lu- lukewarm introduction. Um, yeah. It's good to be here. It's good to be a Plain old guy, I guess. There's <laughs> a lot of worse, worse things you can be than that. Um, yeah, I'm doing good. Single parenting this week. Uh, my wife, Shadume, is in San Francisco. So I've been just looking after Hugo myself. And I thought it was going to be really hard, but actually it's been fun. Um, I've kind of been enjoying it. Um, hasn't been as difficult as I thought. So, um, yeah, how, how have you been?
0: Um yeah, I've been okay. Just, I don't know. I feel like there's nothing really interesting going on
1: you these days.
0: Um, yes, so I finished my semester a few weeks ago. Um, mm. And now I'm just working at Cloud Research full-time over the summer. Okay, um, cool. So, yeah, we've got, I'm working on, um, we're doing like another conference. We did one last year that was about, data quality and innovations and online research, things like that. Um, so we're putting another conference together. So I guess I can plug that. Um, if anyone wants to submit an abstract, we have that open and I'm really looking forward
1: to. Give people an idea of what, what kind of thing they might present. Cause I feel like I, I don't have a clear idea of what the presentations would be at such a conference.
0: Yeah. So, um, Last year, we had a really broad range of topics. We had some, and we like we had like different themes for different sessions, and then there were a few talks in each session. So some themes were like um longitudinal studies, for example. So how do we do like good longitudinal studies online where we, you know, have a uh, good retention and we're able to, like get, in-depth data, things like that. So we had a few researchers who have successfully run longitudinal studies, um, come present on kind of what they did. Um, hmm, so that's one example. Another okay. So our, if you're, yeah, if you're a researcher,
1: following. and you've done something kind of interesting, uh, with online data collection, then this might be a good conference yeah, for
0: you. Yeah. There's also stuff on like using webcams for, eye tracking, um, or other kinds of data where you can record participants. Um, yeah, there's a lot of like cool innovations that people are, you know, coming up with, especially during COVID for how to collect their data
1: or people can stay at home. I have a friend, um, shout out Jesse's son. I don't know if you know of her. She's, um, I think she's now at, um, University of Washington, which is weirdly in St. Louis. Uh, but she she had this project where she was able to get people to agree to them just like automatically turning on their iPhones and eavesdropping on them at yeah. random, random intervals through the day, which is like pretty creepy. I mean, few few people are less creepy than than Jesse in real life, but like, <laughs> I mean, that would be that would be something that yeah, would
0: yeah, definitely
1: fit with the conference, right? Yeah, for sure. Really. Uh, okay, so. Even though nothing's happening in our lives, a lot of things have been happening in the lives of the nation where we live. Um, it just seems like it's been a crazy few weeks. Uh, and so, I mean, the, obviously the thing that is most recent and top of mind to most people is this um, just horrific school shooting in Uvalde. I have no idea if I'm saying that correctly. In Texas, um, so 21 people were murdered by an 18-year-old who bought two assault rifles after turning 18 and then within days was massacring children in an elementary school. It really doesn't get much darker than that. I feel like being a parent now, I, like I've been a bit m- even more affected by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, I, yeah, I don't understand how anybody could do that. I don't understand how politicians would not be doing everything in their power to stop it happening ever again. I don't, yeah, I can appreciate, I mean, some of the like contrarian arguments about like the the rarity of of mass shootings um just from a sort of like you know because i i'm i'm you know <laughs> try to be a rationalist and try to like think through issues logically and i and i do think like when emotions are high and when there's very very salient but rare um bad occurrences then then people struggle to fully you know, think, think things through and, and people on all sorts of issues, like listen to their emotions more than logic and stuff like that. But man, like watching people watching, yeah, I guess watching people just make arguments to just shoot down the idea that there's things that we can do yeah, has been pretty upsetting for me the last couple of days. Yeah.
0: Um, I agree. Have you, before we go any further, um, have you ever shot a gun?
1: Yeah. Once I did. Okay. Um, I just
0: want to make sure that we're both qualified to be talking (laughs) about this. Um, I also, I've, I was in the military, so I've shot, uh, M16 a bunch of times. Um, Uh and yeah, I just, I, 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 this isn't like, you know, I don't want to make jokes about this, but like that was something that, something we both came across on Twitter, um where someone was arguing that like basically if you don't know anything about guns, then no one's gonna take you seriously if you're engaging in like discourse about it. And I just thought that was absolutely ridiculous. Like I've I have shot a gun and I know something about them. I'm obviously not an expert and you know I haven't done it that much. Definitely never like shot at a person. Um, But like So what? Like that doesn't make me more or less qualified than someone who's never seen a gun or touched a gun or Mm. like, it's just like, Mm. like, we don't really need to understand how guns work to know that you can kill a lot of people with a gun. And like, Mm. Mm. we can prevent that from happening by preventing people from having guns. So Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was just one point of frustration for me is like people taking that seriously. It's like, Oh yeah. Like we should learn more about guns so that we can understand Mm. better. Like,
1: Mm. well, I, yeah, it was an interesting thread. So the the threading question was by this guy called professor Jeffrey Miller. I might follow him or I might just follow people that like his tweets a lot, but, but I see, I see his tweets a lot and, you know, he's kind of a more like on the conservative contrarian heterodox side and you know i agree with him about some stuff but that i mean that thread i was thinking about it and i was like okay well it's probably true that if like if i learned a lot more about guns and i had a lot more experience and went to firing ranges and knew all the different kinds of guns and what kind of gun can do what and and everything about all the legislation and what what's banned where and you know what can you do what can't you do yeah sure like if the point he's trying to make is i might have a better chance of convincing another gun enthusiast um to accept uh greater restrictions on guns that's probably true but like uh, the thread wasn't from that point of view the thread was almost telling the story of like oh i used to be anti gun but then i learned all this stuff about guns and he's been convinced you know <laughs> like so the <laughs> thread made it seem like you know you people that want to restrict guns don't know anything you really should learn about guns and when you do like me you're going to change your mind and like Think it's fine that an 18 year old can walk into a store and walk out with like two assault rifles. And
0: yeah, well, it seemed like he was, it was part, like hard to disentangle him talking about learning about and knowing more of like having that intellectual understanding about guns and restrictions and all of that versus like the actual experience of mm. shooting a gun. Mm. It seemed like what really. maybe I was reading into this. I'm not sure, but it seems like what was a turning point for him was like actually going to a shooting range and like experiencing it. And it's really just like all, all that means to me, all that says to me is like, I had fun shooting a gun. And so now I understand why people like guns because it's like thrilling. And if you did it too, you'd also be on, on the side. Cause yeah. But it's like, just because something is fun doesn't mean that it should be, you know easily Mm. accessible for Mm. anyone to do it
1: yeah do you do you have any insight into why people like guns so so much (laughs) i feel like i I don't i don't really and and this could be his argument right Mm -hmm. like like you you can't talk to these people because you just don't understand them and i i kind of think he's right like i i don't like i've f- I fired a gun and sure like i like an action movie you know kind of sometimes as much as the next guy and like i guess at times i've enjoyed like call of duty uh mm-hmm. like playing with my friends um although they tease me because i'm they call me a coward because all i do in call of duty is just find a hiding spot and then wait, <laughs> <laughs> wait to see somebody, and then shoot them. That's my only path to success, and I, I stick with it because um, it's that's what it's about is winning. Anyway, so but I don't, yeah, I I don't like. I mean, I'm sure hunting is kind of a thrill and fun, but then I I don't fully understand like killing other living beings for for fun um i mean i honestly when you live in america like you do like for me anyway i do have thoughts that yeah maybe we should maybe we should get a gun like because like there the there are like home invasions and stuff like that like there are occurrences where people are able to defend their families um when they have a gun like that's a reality and like and But it's
0: more, I mean, if you care about like the statistics and being rational about it, like it's way more likely that if you buy a gun, it's going to, you're going to hurt yourself with it. Or, you know, your kids are going to accidentally get into it and hurt Mm. themselves or someone else. Like that's that's way more common.
1: I I think, yeah, that's definitely true. And like my, obviously the fear would be, yeah, your kid. Grows up and they're thirteen or fourteen, and they find the gun in the house. They find a way to get it, and then they can use it to commit suicide, or they could take it to school, do a school shooting, or just blow their friends off accident, Fred's head off accidentally, which happens all the time. I agree <laughs> with that, but you know that that argument just doesn't work on a gun enthusiast because, and I've had this conversation with like a friend who's super into guns because they just say, "Well, that's irresponsible gun owners. That's not me." If you're a responsible gun owner. The statistics are in your favor so it doesn't really matter how common successful like home defense is versus like horrible like mishaps and accidents to the person who just thinks that well i'm you know i'm more responsible than that yeah so i it's um and that's where I, that's that's one of the horrible things about this issue is like i feel like i i don't know how to convince people because like you know like i feel like you can make all the arguments that you want that you want and sort of there's there's things people will just automatically say uh in response um and it's almost like a bit of a tragedy of the commons thing right because there are so many there are so many guns here and there are like i feel like people people don't want to give up their gun and still be in a country awash with guns. Um, mm-hmm. If, if, if in their mind, I have a gun to defend my family, if I, if I need to. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't think that any change is going to come about by having people like voluntarily give up their guns. Like, I don't think that that's the problem.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I I mean, I think, and, and I'm not an expert in gun legis- legislation, and I like, I really don't know what a good solution would be, but there, I just feel like there's no reason for everyone Mm. to have guns. And like, (laughs) if we just like took them all away from everyone problem solved, like I just, I really don't, I don't get it. And maybe like, maybe that is a problem.
1: Um, No, you're I mean, that's like the look America, like, (laughs) At least in theory, is a first world country, and so the country is the it should be comparing itself to are sort of Western European countries, Australia, you know, um, New Zealand, and the the amount of gun violence in the US is just off the charts compared to those other countries, and I just think like if you don't if you don't think that's related to the sheer amount and availability of guns here, like I, I don't know what I don't know what to say to you. And some people will, will make arguments that it's, it's not. Um, and I, yeah, at, at that point it's, I, I just feel like, well, it's not worth talking to this person because their mind, their mind is is made up and they they want to keep their gun. And, and that's, that's the inevitable conclusion they're going to come to no matter what arguments are made here. So, but the the thing, the thing that you just said, like, I think it's totally true. Like, if you got rid of all the guns, like if you made guns illegal and then like, so the gun people will often say, oh, well then just the bad guys will have guns. And it's like, well, okay, sure. But like, you know, eventually you catch the bad guys and anytime you find a gun, you confiscate it, you destroy it, yada, yada, yada. You could theoretically eventually get rid of all the guns if the nation and the politicians were willing. I mean, the, the problem is the the second amendment. Right, yeah. like so, the and, you, know, here, you know, last episode abortion, this episode like gun rights. We keep coming <laughs> back to the the U.S. Constitution because the U.S. Constitution. I mean, I was I was hearing that um, some state or city tried to raise the age like of of buying a gun from eighteen to twenty one, and I think were were blocked. Um, I'd have to do some research to find out. Um, maybe I'll include a link in the show notes, but. And I think it was based on no. The Constitution says you have a right to bear arms. Like,
0: well, what as, about sixteen-year-olds? What about twelve-year-olds? Don't they also have a right to bear arms? Why would eighteen when, work as a woman and not?
1: Because I mean, that's when you become an adult.
0: Does the Constitution say there's you know when,
1: when you become an adult? <laughs>
0: yeah, or that it's restricted mm. to adults?
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's. I mean, I think, I think you make a good point. And, and, and to me, like when I, when I talk to people that are like, no, like we have a right to bear arms and it's like, well, you, you can't get a machine gun here. Like you can't get a fully automatic um, assault rifle. Uh, and everybody, like, I don't see people like acting, like that's a violation of their rights. Like people seem to accept that that that's okay. And, and, and I, and I just think, well, if you're, f- if you're fine with that, like, w- why would you not be fine with restricting like it even more? Right. And so, I mean, there's the like militia argument, right? So people say, no, you need a well-armed population to resist government tyranny, um, land invasions, stuff like that. Oh, and this was another Jeffrey Miller tweet. Actually, he said, he was sort of making fun of people that were like, cheering for Ukraine in the Ukraine-Russia conflict, but also wanted to sort of disarm uh, Americans and take like assault rifles out of the hands of Americans. Right. And again, like, yeah, I do think the amount of guns in the U S would make it more difficult for an invading army (laughs) and and would make it difficult for like some totalitarian government like i don't i, I can't even I imagine the, the scenario that they're imagining of defending against a totalitarian us state um very very hard to me for me to imagine either of these scenarios actually that there's going to yeah. be a land invasion or you're going to need the that assault rifle like and i just think like yeah it it probably like the Ukraine probably has benefited from civilians having these things, but Ukraine is in a very, very different geopolitical position than the United States. And I mean, I just think like in all other Western nations, like, yeah, they don't have many guns around like the UK. And as far as I know, nobody's planning to invade the UK uh <laughs> and people in the UK aren't very concerned about it so i don't know yeah, like
0: i don't i mean i think both scenarios of like a foreign invasion and the US government like deciding to attack its own people are very <laughs> unlikely but like yeah. even if they were even if either of those scenarios were to happen i don't think that most people who own guns would actually do much like be able to do much uh Mm. to like fight back like um, we have one of the the, i think the best military in the world right like the american military what do you mean we (laughs) (laughs) sorry me and my fellow americans um
1: (laughs) but it's, it's actually interesting as a as a foreign exchange student so to to um enter the University of California, I actually had to sign this thing that said that I I commit I will defend the US against its enemies uh as a condition of being here in this country. So uh based on that, like yeah, we we our the, military is awesome. Like <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah, like we we have a a really good military. And so if the military were to attack like, citizens in mm. this crazy scenario, I don't mm. think we would stand a chance even if we had guns.
1: Yeah. And you know what people say to that is just that, like, well, actually, guerrilla warfare is really difficult for even a very technologically advanced military to deal with. Like, that's why we're out of Afghanistan now. That's why, like, we lost in Vietnam. Like, when you when you have, like, a, a population who knows the area mm-hmm. and is just, like, hiding in the trees or abandoned buildings, like, they that actually like is a huge advantage for the, the local population. Um, but, but I don't know. I mean, these, like, these arguments are so dumb. And I think like, even so I actually have like a relatively good friend who, who makes arguments like this. And, um, and where I got to in the conversation was like, well, okay. So if the reason you think, um, like people should be able to have guns and people should be able to access guns really easily is to defend against like a land invasion or a totalitarian U.S. state. Why are you okay with not being able to have machine guns, right? Like, so if you think about it, like if that was the purpose of having a well-armed population, like shouldn't an 18-year-old be able to buy a like uh, anti-aircraft like missile launcher Uh, shouldn't they be able to buy like a a bazooka? Like, cause you might need these like anti-tank anti-tank missile launcher. Like in theory, you would need these if you wanted to defeat an invading army. But I, most, most people don't go there. Right. Like most people wouldn't say, yeah, let's remove all restrictions. And like your neighbor down the street can have nuclear weapons. (laughs) Like like a, a fighter jet or something like that. Like, so I just I just think like well, okay if you like if you accept that there are limits and, and this is crazy and we and you, an 18 year old can't have a machine gun then what like why why do you accept that like what, because it would be dangerous because they might like hurt people and go crazy and like you might have like massacres and yeah so that's the same reason why you would ban assault rifles and why you would try to get rid of as many guns as possible and make it as hard as possible for anybody to. Work. I don't know. I don't know. I just Yeah. <laughs> honestly, like it's it's such an issue that like I don't I, yeah, I don't understand. Like I'm not, I'm not an American. I, I didn't grow up with this gun culture. Like Australia, we had one mass shooting, 27 people were killed and a conservative government said this can never happen again. We, like we need to get rid of these guns and they brought them back. It wasn't voluntary, I don't think. Like people had to like um people had to surrender their guns but they got money um you know and and it like and you don't hear a single person well maybe i'm not in the wrong circles but i don't hear many australians like lament the fact that they can't go to the store and access an assault rifle like a semi-automatic assault yeah. rifle like, is
0: there I, hunting at all in australia is that yeah, a, a thing
1: yeah yeah so i i grew up in the country and people hunted like an I, I, they used to do like duck hunting is, is big there. And I'm pretty sure they still do it. Um, and you know, people, people do culls of kangaroos cause they're like, actually like, even though they're like the symbol of our country, they're like, there's too many of them and they're kind of a pest in, in some regions of the country. So people will go out and like, there's like government quotas for like, Oh, we have to get rid of this many kangaroos. So like, I'm pretty sure like, yeah, you can get a gun there if you really need it. Um, but people don't just like have handguns like in their house and stuff like that. Like I've never, I've never heard of that in Australia. I don't think it's a thing. And like, yeah. So like criminal organizations, like bikie gangs have guns and stuff like that, but I don't know. You just don't, there's nowhere near the level of, of threat and an actual incidents as the U S like it's completely different. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's different over the border in Canada, right? Like, I mean, the, that's the country that's m- m- so obvious because people in the US will say, well, but Australia is an island. Like, here, you know, we border Mexico and stuff like that. And so it's much easier for the guns to get in. That's how the bad guys are just going to inevitably get the guns. So it's like, okay, well, what about Canada? That That's just all land connected as well, well. But they're and,
0: connected to America, uh, like the US. And, you know, we're, we're the good guys. So. <sighs>
1: Yeah. 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 Right. I mean, but if, yeah. Like if, if, if bad guy, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah.
0: Um, Well, I don't know. Another thing that just like frustrates me a lot is this reliance on the constitution as if it's like the word of God. Mm. Um, And like, mm. like I think it's important to have a constitution and to like, Mm. you know, have certain principles that, are sort of kind of set in stone for a country and they don't just like change with every election, just like changing everything. But like, we also can just like acknowledge that something that was written a few hundred years ago is not going to be always Mm -hmm. like the most relevant for our daily lives today. And like things change and it like, that's okay. We can like move past, like the fact that it says something in the constitution doesn't mean that that's, like, the absolute moral truth that we have to follow for the rest of, like, our lives, the rest of existence.
1: Yeah, but it's just super hard to change it. So don't you need, like, 75% of the Senate?
0: Yeah, no, it is hard to change it. But, like, I just don't get, like, people's reliance on that as, like, their defense for uh, gun rights. like, Like, we have a right to bear arms. It's in the Constitution therefore guns are good and it's like no like yeah we you do have a right sure it's in the constitution Mm. but that doesn't mean that like you know that that that, like that's not a good argument Mm. it's like about the same as saying it's in the bible
1: Mm.
0: and like Mm. (laughs) i'm not you know that's not a good argument
1: i mean it's a great argument if you're a christian um it's the ultimate argument right i mean yeah so i i i was invoking the constitution just to to sort of say like make the point of why the us is so different to every other you know western country and why it will remain very likely remain i mean because if you try to think of the the route to changing or amending the constitution again and i don't even know what that would look like but then i mean you're you're well aware of how polarized this country is and every single discourse and yeah it just seems it just seems impossible although i mean yeah so the it was 2004 i believe that the gop removed a previous ban from bill clinton on assault rifles um, and after that point, um, like mass shootings, uh, the deadliness of mass shootings went up, I believe. I mean, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong on the facts. So there's, I mean, assault rifles were banned, I believe from 1994 to the 2004. Um, so I assume that ban, um, had constitutional challenges. And I mean, all this stuff is very, like, it's about like, who has the majority in the Supreme court, um, similar, similar with kind of with abortion and stuff like that, because I mean, the constitution, I, I guess it's just written in a way that's very open to interpretation. Right. And it's like, you could imagine somebody saying, sure, you have a right to bear arms. Um, yeah. Ha- have a switchblade. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, like, well, have a sword, yeah. have a sword. What? That's not, that's not enough for you. <laughs> it, like, that was enough for your great, 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 great grandfather. No, I mean, Yeah, I just think, like, it almost seems like there will never be another constitutional amendment Mm -hmm. uh, because the US, every single issue here becomes polarised. And because of the way the Senate's constructed, conservatives just have, like, a a stranglehold on, like, a lot of the Senate, at least 25% of the Senate. So... Okay, so I heard, so Matt Iglesias tweeted something interesting about this, which was saying, yeah, like, it, it's true that a lot of the little things that people are um, arguing for probably won't do much to curb gun violence in the U.S., but um, so it seems like the the real goal should be, yeah, And but he, he basically was saying, like, the large-scale stuff, the stuff that really would make a difference, like, really, like, a huge effort to Get the guns out of the country and and take them or buy them back and you know destroy them. Um, ha- doesn't have enough public support um, to to pass and to become uh, policy. So like from this very logical perspective, he was like, well, that that should be the goal, right? That to convince the people who are unconvinced that we should do the the large scale stuff. And he kind of was saying like, he doesn't see many people like specifically focused on that. Like, can we get people who, you know, probably support increased background checks, you know, might support banning bump stocks or like little, little ineffectual things. Um, can we get those people to the point of, no, we we actually need to do a lot more. We need to make this country have similar amount of guns as the UK or Australia, uh, to really stop these things happening. Um, and yeah, like, I, I I think it's like, it's kind of true. Like I, those, those Parkland kids who started that group, they seem very focused on, um, sort of small scale stuff. Also they kind of annoy me like how they, they're very anti like security guards in schools like that's one of their prime objectives. We need to get the safety officers out of the schools. Um, And I just think that's like a weird, like almost irrelevant focus that they shouldn't, um, they shouldn't waste time on.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a lot of issues with the security guards in schools, like being used to basically like physically punish kids who are acting out and, you know, things like that. And like, you know, eight year olds shouldn't be getting arrested for talking back to their teacher. Um, But yeah, I think like if that is taking away from the conversation on guns, then maybe it doesn't, you know, belong in the same conversation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I saw like Ben Shapiro tweeted. He was like, you know, like liberals say they want to protect kids, but then they don't want to have armed guards in schools and stuff like that. And it's, so it just becomes this distraction, right? It's like, yeah. okay, so now we're talking about, and now you're sort of like, it's like wedge politics. It's like you're capitalizing on progressives disdain for these sort of like police like authority figures to sort of try to, try to show that they're they're hypocritical and stuff like that. And I, like, for me, it's like, you know, I, I think it's probably not effective because the, the caliber of security guard that you're hiring to like sit around a school all day for like $20 an hour or is, is probably, you're not getting Navy SEALs like, for yeah. and then, and like the Parkland kids often like to say that in their case, there was a security officer and he did nothing. And mm-hmm. I think that that would happen a lot because the, the people, the people, you know, and it could be a guy or it could be a woman, um, or it could be a non-binary person. The people that are going to end up doing that job, you know, are just going to be like, like losers who, who like, that's the only job they can get. And not only that, but their entire life is going to be like, no incidents. Like it's, it you, that, they will go to school and they'll quickly come to realize that like 9,999 days out of a thousand, you know, nothing's going to happen. So they'll be completely unprepared for those really rare occurrences where it will happen. And that was also what I was thinking too, is like, okay, even if there's an armed security guard in a school, the shooter has a huge advantage over that armed security guard uh, in that, like they'll be taken completely by surprise if something ever happens, because these, these things are incredibly rare. And there's like, there's really, you know, all you would really have to do is just sort of walk up to the armed security guy with a smile on your face and say, hi, I'm looking for, uh, the principal's office and then just take out a gun and shoot them dead. And then like that you've neutralized that, that problem. So like, yeah, it's not a, it's not a good solution to me, but I also like think we shouldn't waste time arguing against it. I would, I would just say, okay, sure. Like, fine. Um, but there's problems with that and like, we can do more and like, that's not how the rest of the world deals with these issues.
0: Yeah. I do think like there might be something beneficial to the security theater of it. Like just, you know, if a kid is going to decide to go shoot up a school, but they know that there's going to be an armed guard at the entrance, like that might deter them, even if they could probably get away with it and like take them down, Mm -hmm. it might like act enough as a deterrent to make them, you know, not do that. But I don't know, but I do think like going back to your um, larger point about convincing the electorate that things need to change more, more drastically. um, I don't know if that's really going to do it because I like, I feel like the main reason that nothing's changed is because of the NRA, um, which has like outsized political influence and so if like, if our politicians are care about the money that they're getting from the NRA, they don't actually care about what their voters think, you know? And like,
1: well, I just feel like about, that's I mean, problem. why do they care about the money, right? Like, care about the money because it helps them stay in power. I think ultimately what they care about is staying, staying in power and, you know, And, you know, it's interesting. So the Australian case is interesting because like the conservative government enacted the changes and they were, I think they were responding to a, a very large public outcry and they, they knew that it was going to play, play well with the vast majority of people. But I also think like there was a small part of them that was like, well, this is the, this is also the right thing to do. Like I, I, you know, I it it it, it, I do think maybe somebody would say no. It was purely cynical, self interested. They knew that like it would be it would lose some votes if they didn't do it. But I don't really think so. I actually think the conservative government could have survived fine, and it, it would have blown over if they hadn't taken if they hadn't taken that action. So I don't know. I think like like going back to what you said. If you did convince enough people that it was important enough, um, like the the calculus of the politician's mind does change at some point. Like it's in my self interest to to do this, regardless of pissing off the NRA. If you do convince enough people effectively, I just, yeah, I just think, but I feel I like that's
0: it's kind of assuming that like the main issue that people care about is guns. Mm -hmm. But it's I just feel like people are going to be willing, even if even if we did get, you know, the vast majority of Republicans to be on board with buying back guns, which Mm -hmm. seems like completely impossible. But let's just say that 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 we did that. They would still like care about Republican, like all the rest of the Republican issues. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the Republican politicians could take the money from the NRA and keep supporting Mm -hmm. gun rights and, like, just completely ignore Mm -hmm. their voters on that. But, you know, they still are against abortion and, Mm -hmm. you know, lower taxes and all of these other things. And so, like, what are their voters going to do? They're still going to vote for them, right? So, I don't know. Maybe this is just, like, I'm pretty cynical about democracy. and
1: And you should be.
2: Because, like, even
1: if you... in theory even if 50% of the republican party was on board you still have the constitution to deal with and you would still yeah. need 75% of the senate to change it man it's but it's so yeah like so so i think we-
0: <laughs> what we need to do is just um bring in as many immigrants as we can to the country we're gonna vote democrat
2: <laughs> and
0: then we replace
1: all the yeah. Republicans.
0: <laughs> See what How, you're how is that for a transition?
1: Yeah. So what you're saying is <laughs> there could be almost like a great replacement of <laughs> like predominantly white, older, conservative, um Republican voting Americans with um hardworking immigrants like myself. Exactly. <laughs> um, I like it. I like it. Um, this idea might have legs. Uh, we should uh, We should pitch it to the – you should pitch it to your fellow <laughs> Jews <laughs> 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 who are pulling the strings of society and
2: <laughs>
1: see what happens. Oh, All yeah. Right. I, I, so, I'm
0: already involved in that.
1: Yeah. See, <laughs> seamless – seamless transition so what what do we you know so we're talking about
0: the the great
1: replacement
0: theory um which is just yeah another topic that i wanted to discuss a little bit um so and this came up because of the shooting oh man i don't have all the facts um
1: buffalo shooting
0: buffalo shooting yes thank you i was like somewhere in new york uh, where. a white supremacist kind of person when killed a bunch of Black people, mostly, um, and wrote this long manifesto, Mm. which apparently like a lot of it was plagiarized, so I don't know why everyone's giving him credit for writing this whole thing. It's like, whatever. Mm. Um, Mm. But yeah, a lot of it was about this Great Replacement idea, which Mm. is that there's a conspiracy of like a small group of people who are in control uh, and they're, they have a secret plan to bring in a lot of immigrants and immigrants uh, do tend to vote more Democrat. Um, So it's kind of like part of it is about like the overturning like political power, I think. And part of it is about like more of the racial demographic makeup of the country, just like
2: Mm.
0: getting rid of white people.
1: Mm. Yeah. And they call immigrants like more placid people, or so um, that might not be the word that they use, but like more easily controlled or something than mm. wild native-born Americans. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you, yeah, you brought it up as something you wanted to talk about. I'm curious what what your takes are on this.
0: Um, yeah. So okay. So there's a few directions. First, I just want to talk about like, what is so people the great replacement theory is technically like a conspiracy theory, right? But um, it seems like there's a continuum along this theory where some of it is like getting into conspiratorial grounds, but other parts of it are just like common sense. So like, let's take the most like mild version of this which is just that like let's say democratic leaders are happy about these changes that are occurring in the in the demographic of america because it means that the democratic party is likely to gain more power and stay in power for longer that seems obviously true to me and like that's not a conspiracy that's but it is like playing on this idea of uh, like a replacement. Right. Um, and then obviously like there's sort of like a gradient of like, maybe they're doing some things to like, it's not that wild to think, okay, if I'm a politician and I know that more immigrants is going to be really helpful for my party, like maybe that incentivizes me to do more, to bring in more immigrants. Right. Like mm-hmm. that doesn't seem that wild. But then, yeah, like, no, on the far I mean, end, yeah. So I don't
1: know what. Yeah, what are, like that. I, I, I had similar thoughts, which is like, I mean, for years, I thought it was sort of conventional wisdom that the reason there were so many illegal immigrants in the US and it was so often like governments turned a, a blind eye to it was because there's, there's almost like bipartisan support for it. And Republicans supported it because, um, sort of uh, the cheap labor was good for the agricultural industry and sort of like you had um, big business figures in agriculture that would sort of talk to their Republican buddies and say, Hey, like, you know, we do need, we do need these workers. And that's why the Republicans would turn a blind eye to it. And Democrats would turn a blind eye to it because they knew that it's voters. Uh, It's going to be more voters, maybe not um, these people, but their kids Uh, like Latinos generally, like majority vote vote for democrat and that's still true even though it's changing um so that's why like the democrats would would turn a blind eye to it so like i i just thought that was like what everybody th- thought
0: yeah and and in terms like not just the not just immigrants but just like in general white the mm. percentage of white people in america is projected to go down, just mm-hmm. like naturally, partially because of immigration, partially just because of greater birth rates among uh, people of color than white people,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and like, so that's that's just like the facts about the changes that are occurring, and then mm-hmm. you can, you know, start to layer onto that like, okay, which people are happy about these facts, and then mm-hmm. maybe which people are like incentivized to do something to like keep mm-hmm. this moving along or on the flip side to like stop it right mm-hmm. like would it would is it a conspiracy <coughs> theory to say like uh republicans don't want immigration because they don't want um you know more power for democrats like i don't know so i just feel like there is a version of this that's obviously wrong and bad and like is white supremacist and I want to be clear on record that I condemn it and like I'm not supporting that. But there is also like a lot of gray area of uh people just, you know, believing things that just like make sense, right? Um and so the other thing that I wanted to talk about was like what is the actual public opinion about this? Because there have been a lot of polls recently where whatever percentage, 50 percent or more than 50 percent of Republicans are alleged to believe in the great replacement theory. Mm. And I think that is either like trivial, like, you know, not a big deal because it's a they're just talking about the like very mild version of it or. Like it's it like it would it could potentially be a big deal, right? If the, this was actually like you know everyone genuinely sincerely believes that there's like this secret group of people in control who are you know pulling the strings to like get rid of all white people, but that seems very very implausible and like I just don't believe that that's true. And I think, like, a lot of this is going to come down to, like, survey methodology and data quality, which, you know, I love to talk about. (laughs) So, yeah, I just, like, I have a lot of thoughts about these polls and, like, what they're actually telling us. And then people are, you know, obviously taking these polls and the headlines and running with them and, like, creating all this moral panic about, like, all, all these Republicans are white supremacists and whatever. And like, that's bad for all sorts of reasons. Um. So
1: the, I mean, the New York times is um, produced some pretty interesting content trying to make like Tucker Carlson, um, the center of this and, and really sort of laying the blame for the Buffalo shooting on him and suggesting that he is, sort of mainstreaming this, this theory. Uh, and so they, you know, um, sort of, um, isolated different, different parts where he really does talk and he's always talking about elites and and they says they a lot, they want to, you know, uh, they want to increase their power. They, they want you to have less power. They want, you know, they, they hate you yada 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 um and yeah like i hmm, have complicated thoughts about it like i i think you certainly like you can always do the both sides of something. like you can always say well you know bernie says they as well right like and and there has it's it's much more rare for like a left left wing person to be incensed by political rhetoric and, and go and like um enact political violence, but it, it has happened. Like there are incidents. There was that um Bernie supporter that um shot a bunch of people at this softball game. Like this I think it was like a charity softball game that Republicans um were uh engaged in. And and you know we on the left we we do talk about Republicans as being evil and conspiratorial and, and all sorts of things that like somebody could take and like justify violence with. Um, I mean, look at, look at the billions of dollars of property damage in the riots last summer um, was all sort of inflamed by rhetoric sort of coming, coming from the left and this sort of outrage and outrage. and outrage. So you can do the by, both sides of thing, but I do think that, uh i agree with jesse single that this particular theory and and this particular side of politics is does seem to be prone to produce like political violence um more so more so than the left uh and there's more examples of like far right far right political violence than far left political violence at least in the u s and at least recently um and so i do think it's a it's, I I do think it's worth like worrying about. And I, and I don't sort of want to just say like, oh, well, you can't, you can't blame Tucker Carlson, like free, you know, freedom of speech. It's always like the fault of the, it's always the fault of the actor because this stuff is really inflammatory. Uh, And I do think that like, it's a major challenge for the U S to like deal with these demographic shifts uh, and and the, the great replacement that is like just statistically happening, um, and, and try to like get through that with as little, you know, political violence as possible and, and as, as good race relations as possible. And I think, you know, I do think there's things that progressive people do that worsen race relations. And we talk about that a lot, but yeah. Like if you, if you listen to Tucker Carlson and his rhetoric or Trump and his rhetoric and stuff like that, like, I do think like it's a, it's a serious issue. Um, and yeah. I don't know if that means, I th- I don't know if that means like you can blame them, but hmm, I mean, I just think like everybody in this country has a responsibility to like, like try to promote racial harmony and uh, like however you can. I yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Okay. So um, I have a few things. First, the so the survey that has been going around a lot was the AP NORC poll. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure what NORC stands for, but the the like there's a few figures in here. So one in three, so like 32% of adults, and that's like across everyone, agree with the statement that a group of people is trying to replace native-born Americans with immigrants for electoral gains.
2: Hmm.
0: So like, I feel like even with that statement, you could interpret it a bunch of different ways. And Hmm. um, I feel like Hmm. that doesn't really say much. When it comes to conspiratorial thinking, which was like one of the focuses of the survey, um, there, like, it was higher. It was about a third of the Republicans in the survey were like considered highly conspiratorial thinkers. Mm. But it was also like, so were a quarter of Democrats and mm. a quarter of independents. Mm. So, like, yeah, there's a difference there, but it's not. It's not like Democrats are just like these, you know, rational normal people and Republicans are crazy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um what what I really think is going on though is like survey methodology and data quality stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, if like just to to address the like Tucker Carlson stuff, I think yeah, he shouldn't be spreading these ideas and um it, that is a problem and like it would clearly have influence on some people, but I don't think like I don't know what percentage of Republicans are like regular viewers of Tucker Carlson. I don't think it's most of them because I think like most people just like aren't super involved in anything. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, so Mm uh let me say just like I guess a little bit about what I mean with the whole like data quality stuff. Um, so I don't know about this particular survey because they're not, they don't have the details on there about like, what did they do to control for data quality? But what I'm gonna, like, what, what I have in mind when I think about this is the study that cloud research did a couple of years ago um, with the, the CDC study. So I think I talked about this before. The CDC had a study that said like, of Americans are drinking bleach to prevent COVID. Um, And there were like all sorts of other things like misting their body with chemicals and like uh, inhaling vapors and all these behaviors that are like dangerous and also like normal people don't do them. Um, So after the CDC came out with that study, cloud research did a follow-up replication where they also included all these data quality controls and um, found that like people, who say that they be engaged in those behaviors also say things like that they have had a fatal heart attack or that they eat concrete for its iron content or like, you know, all of these other crazy things that just like, people are just saying yes to questions on surveys. Mm -hmm. It might be because they're not paying attention. It might be because they're just like trolling. Uh, it might be because they're misunderstanding some of the questions. So like, Uh, The cloud research study also followed up with open-ended questions and asked, okay, you said that you ingested soapy water to prevent COVID-19. That was like literally the question. Can you tell us more about why you did that? And then the people are saying things like, my mom made me wash out my mouth with soap when I was little, when I would like say a curse word. It's like, okay, you clearly like, we're not understanding the question, you know, um, And so that's like, that's in Mm. this like niche, you know, public health area that like no one really, it's not like a political thing. People don't really care about it, Mm. but then take all of that sort of behavior and then add on like expressive responding, which is a thing that happens in political polls a lot where people are kind of just like cheerleading, they're rallying for their side. They're like saying what they know is mm. the Republican thing to say, or whatever? They don't actually believe it. It's just like mm. that—that's just what they're saying, right? And then add in like you know amb- ambiguous questions and like different ways of interpreting things. And like, I feel like I just personally, I just don't trust these data. Like, mm. I. And I feel like that sounds conspiratorial, like, like if we can't trust public opinion polls, like what can we trust? But it's really hard to like get people to take polls seriously, especially when you're asking them crazy questions that like,
2: mm. you
0: know, they know are crazy and they're just like having fun. And mm. especially when you're asking political things and it's mm. just like, mm. I I feel like we don't, we're, we're, we just like take these figures and run with them without pausing to question, like, can we actually trust this? So that was my rant.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I think you make a good point. And it is just this troubling tendency now for like, you know, so when, when like a Muslim extremist shoots up a school or a synagogue or whatever, like, I mean, people on the left are very, very careful not to generalize that person's beliefs to the entire group of Muslims, right? And, like, there's this, like, strong norm against doing so and a strong norm towards saying, like, well, it's one extremist, like the the vast majority of Muslims don't believe what this person believes um, and would never do something like that and are horrified by doing something like that. and it's true um i think uh but there's almost like the opposite impulse if it's like a white nationalist where you know the it all becomes about political point scoring and tiring the entire opposition party uh and sort of generalizing like so that in, in rather than going well th- this is an extremist and most of our fellow country people who vote Republican would never do this and are horrified by this. The, there's, there's a desire to complete like totally generalize it to the whole party and just say, no, like this is this is mainstream republicanism now. Um, and look, look at the large percentage of them that agree with this. And and it's yeah, like it's uh it's kind of the worst kinds of intergroup dynamics and psychology and we on the left see it really clearly when people are doing it to Muslims and we just sort of have this blind spot when we apply yeah. those those kinds of things to groups that we don't like don't like and <laughs> yeah don't like us uh, and
0: also like it's really concerning like I don't believe that right now that most Republicans are, are white supremacists but if we keep labeling them as white supremacists and we keep treating them that way like i think there is a concern for like Mm. you know labeling theory social proof there's a bunch of different psychological theories that would explain Mm. how treating someone as if they are extreme can make them extreme
2: Mm.
0: um and so like we we should be more careful about that like i get the Mm. tendency i get like you know wanting feeling tribal and like
2: mm.
0: having in groups and out groups and all of that. But if we really care about making this country better, like we need to stop doing that.
1: Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean the, the mood, the mood really shifted with this school shoot. Like, cause the, I mean the, the news cycle after the Buffalo shooting was just all about like, see, America is all about white supremacy and, it, you know, like, and look, and this is, this is the entire conservative party. Like this is, this is what your rhetoric produces and yada, yada, yada. And like, and I mean, the the Texas shooting really sort of like shifted, shifted the tone away from that. And now it's all just about guns again and stuff like that, but it's still just like completely polarized. And like from, from the left, it's like, you know, you and I I mean, this is kind of true. Like it is, it is the Republican party that holds back gun reform mm-hmm. for, for the most part. I mean, there are some, I think there are some Democrats in the NRA's pocket. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, I mean, it, it again, like you, it just doesn't, it's not, it doesn't convince people. It, it's not, it's not productive to just like. Sh- shout and, and and blame and castigate um which is you know w- what everybody's good at these days and what you know rates and yeah yeah i wanted to ask you so you if if it was the case that like okay you can't change the amount of guns in the u.s because of all these reasons um but like some things that I mean, the government has been able to do like pretty intense like data harvesting uh, on like U.S. citizens, right? So like I I was thinking about it and I was thinking like, okay, so there's a kid who turns 18, goes and buys two like assault rifles.
0: Yeah, like red flags. Let's just, you know, do something about that.
1: All this this ammunition, (laughs) bulletproof vest. I was kind of thinking like, would it not be possible to like intercept that information and, you know, maybe like have some kind of agent of the state pay this kid a visit or like, I don't know, be sitting in a car outside his house and like, do you know what I mean? Like if it's like, if it's the case that we're in this super, like just dangerous country with, with all these guns and all these like 18 year olds who are like reading crazy shit on Reddit or no, it's not Reddit. What's the bad one? 4chan. 4chan. And, um, uh, and they have access to, and they can just like go buy really like high powered guns and and weaponry. Like part of me is like, shouldn't the, government be kind of eavesdropping on all this and like (laughs) like like the fbi like i know like like in australia for example the secret service has done a pretty good job of like intercepting terrorist plots right so you'd have like friends group of friends get like radicalized and start to like plan stuff and they just kind of get arrested before they can do it because like the government's reading all their emails and stuff like that and, you know, I don't really want the government reading my emails, but then again, like I often think, I, I don't, you know, like if it's, if we could prevent shootings like the Texas shooting and give up a bit of like privacy uh, and sort of, and this might be an interesting question to ask you because like, I know you used to eavesdrop on Palestinians <laughs> conversations. <laughs> Um, I'm sure just like for the greater good and your heart was in the right place and everything, but like, wh- I don't know what, what are you, what, yeah. Wh- what does your gut say about like surrendering privacy, surrendering some level of freedom to have a bit more like protection and, and people acting on red flags about this kind of stuff? Yeah. I mean, I
0: don't think it would be, I don't think that the state has, the resources or like wouldn't necessarily need to be directly involved in gathering these data because like each platform can do its own, like, you know, looking for keywords, looking for particular phrases that seem suspicious. And then they can report those to the authorities to then like follow up on. Um, it's just, the, yeah. And and like they they do already have access to all that, right? Like, Facebook can see all of your messages. Um, I I don't know, like each particular platform, like what they do. I think maybe WhatsApp has like more encryption, like end-to-end encryption. So like, but I kind of suspect that they also can uh, have access to anything. Mm. And so, yeah, do you remember, yeah, that,
1: that thing a few years ago where like. The government wanted Apple to like unlock a phone and Apple was like refusing. Yeah. That was weird because it's like, don't you guys have all the data already? (laughs) Well, they uh, were Edward Snowden. I I
0: don't think they do.
1: Uh,
0: Mm. It's that's like a lot. You know, there's a lot of people in America, there's a lot of data like Mm. for each person. Mm. And the US government, like, they're busy trying to like fight terrorism. They're not. They're they're not like listening to all of our Mm. just like daily conversations. Yeah, they want
1: to right, and they want to fight terrorism to prevent things like what just happened in Texas. Yeah. So it's like no, but like
0: I'm just saying, like the scale, like it's not it's not possible for them to actually Mm. like follow each person. But Mm. I think that, but they are able to identify like people who are maybe suspicious, and then look Mm. at those people more closely which mm. they do for sure like
1: that's this a, would thing. Be a good one for those like ai ethics people right like so if we could build like a massive model with every bit of data you could think of about somebody like from birth like every little digital footprint of somebody that you know could predict better than chance or could predict like even let's say predict reasonably well with a lot of error still but reasonably well which which kid, you know, is high risk and should not be allowed to have, like, an AR-15, um, would they be okay with that? Like, if if statistically it could prevent, you know, 30% of school shootings or something like that, or 10% or even 5%, right? like, would, would they yeah. be okay with that? Because, like, I'm sure that model would have all sorts of, like, biases, uh it would make all sorts of false positives and stuff like that and um i mean by definition it'd be relying on stereotypes like just things yeah but
0: here i think the stereotypes are more of like like young white male yeah like teenagers which people no no one has a problem uh stereotyping against that (laughs) group you know
1: like yeah. Well, that's why it's interesting. Like, that, and that's why, that's why I like, it's an interesting question. Right. Because like, yeah, like if, it, it, if, it if the model would sort of work, if it, if it would be like at least somewhat accurate and if it could potentially save lives and then shouldn't we like, yeah, build it.
0: Well, I think, okay. So uh, two things. One is, I think that like, for our generation and like younger generations, we just like, don't care about privacy anymore. Statistically, Mm -hmm. um, our like older, the boomer generation, they like, care a lot about it but Mm. they're dying out you know they're Mm. not like as relevant Mm. um maybe not dying out but you know they're like losing political
2: power
1: (laughs) no 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 hang on if the great (laughs) complexity is technically happening statistically then (laughs) boomers are definitely dying out Uh,
0: yeah um but yeah so i think like like we the public opinion is probably people are just fine Mm. with you know take all of our privacy we don't care just Mm. give us free social media and Mm. but but okay but i wanted to shift a little so it seems like like we've sort of shifted to talking more about like the personal Mm. responsibility like instead of uh looking at the gun problem as like a widespread policy of taking away everyone's guns let's try Mm. to identify the like specific individuals so it's not the guns anymore it's like the people um yeah but so Mm. i was yeah what do you think about I feel like, like people have made a lot of arguments about like mental illness as, is that a reason? Is that an excuse? Is that like the root of the problem? Should we be addressing people's mental illness and not like, like maybe the, the guns aren't the problem, it's just that people are mentally ill. Uh, what do you think about that argument?
1: I mean, the, well, I think you should address people's mental illness, for sure. Um, but, I mean, the idea that you could do so so effectively um, that you would, like, deal with the problem of, of gun violence um, via that route uh, seems far-fetched to me. Like, I mean, there's plenty of mental illness in Australia and the UK and Canada, and they they don't have the same problems with yeah. gun, gun violence as, as the US right and i think biden pretty much said that so yeah i mean to me it comes across as a distraction but then like i mean it 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 has its power cuz there's a kernel of truth to it um so it's like it's like sure and 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 but also like the people who make that argument every other day of the week they're not they're not out there campaigning for better mental health care they're not like yeah. they're not campaigning for a more like socialized state medicine and access to mental health care so it just kind of comes up as a distraction which i feel yeah, like they're like, more
0: likely to be the saying like man up get over it
1: mm. uh
0: you know things yeah. that are not very helpful for dealing with mental health
1: yeah so like i think yeah we we probably agree that like mental mental health is important but like generally in, in the gun debate, it, it serves as just a kind of convenient, um, distraction. Um, yeah, the, it the is a distraction. Deflection. I
0: think like, I think there are, I think that it's clear, um, that there's a group of people that feel like very lonely and maybe like sexually frustrated, you know, there's all these like incel groups, uh, who just like can't get laid. And, um, and like, it's sad. And I think that we should do more to like prevent that from happening. Like that they shouldn't, they -hmm. should have real community, like in the communities that they live in school and whatever, instead of finding these communities online where like, it's just like all toxicity. Mm -hmm. And I think that there should be like public health interventions to, to combat this, Mm -hmm this like thing from happening,
2: hmm. but
0: that's a separate issue from also having them have access to guns. So, yeah, I don't think that the, the two issues need to like distract from each other. They can both exist and be important things that we need to deal with.
1: There's ways cultures could improve. I'm just trying to think like, cause I like in my life, I've known a few kids who to me like fit the profile of somebody that could like just come and shoot up a school. So I remember like there was this one kid I went to high school with, (sighs) um, who just liked building bombs. Like that was his thing. Like, um, and he learned all about how to like build bombs with things you could find around the house and stuff like that. And like, that was just his thing. And he was just like, he was just a weird kid. And like, I don't know. I don't know how he got that way I I don't know how like I I'm, I'm sure you wouldn't want to like have sex with him um <laughs> and I and I don't think many other women would either and so I just I don't know like I just think there are weirdos out there and like yeah no amount of social engineering is going to change that and it's just the it, it Like you, you just can't have a society where like that kid can grow up and then on a whim buy like all sorts of crazy, crazy guns and ammunition and, and, and then go shoot up a school. Um,
0: Um, As far as like, yeah, I'm not suggesting that we, you know, try to find people for these potential incels to hook up with so that they don't, Turn into incels but i do think that them like developing a community and an identity around this thing is a problem and like that weirdo like i've known a few weirdos Mm. but i've also known a few female weirdos Mm. and like they can find each other and it's kind of it seems to me like kind of self-fulfilling for people to just be like no one's ever going to want me and like, you know, and then just identify that way Um, and then get encouragement from other people. And then, you know, talk about how bad women are for not wanting them.
1: One of the other kids that I was thinking of, so I used to uh, be a carer for for kids with um, mental disabilities. And so like we would um, just sort of, this was on a casual basis, just every few weekends I would like, take a group out somewhere on like do some activity and stuff like that. And, you know, the, the range of severity of the disabilities ranged a lot. Right. But there was this one kid who I just never got over, like I, I never got over like this, just the weirdness of it all. So this kid was like very, like mildly autistic like so far less disabled than everybody else in the group and like he was pretty old like he was he was nearly 18 right and he was like super into just war and violence and guns and and all this stuff right and like all he wanted to talk about was like gory violence and like uh, you know i have you ever, have you seen this video on the internet where they cut off the guy's head like this is like all he wanted like And, but it was also just like, it was like, why are you here, man? So like, he, he'd be like, we'd be going to like some amusement park with these kids who were like pretty severely mentally disabled, multiple years younger than him. And he didn't relate to them at all. Like all he wanted was to like go off by himself. Like, so as soon as we got to the park, he's like, oh, can I go? Can I go? Can I go? And we were generally like our instructions were like, yeah, like let him go, you know, he feels a bit awkward to be included in this group. But I kept like thinking like, why are your parents like sending you on these outings? And I think the answer is like, that was his only social, like, cause he, he just like would not connect with other human beings. Like I like very, like in a normal school, there's just no way he'd make friends because he just had this like weird brain that was like, constantly fixated on disturbing things and stuff like that. And like, I was thinking about that kid and I was like, damn, like if he grew up in the U S that would be like a, a really dangerous situation. Like if he, if he had access to weapons of war, I think that kid is exactly the kind of person that would do something like this. And cause he was like, pretty high functioning. You know, we used to let him like take public transport back to his house himself. And he just didn't seem like the other kids in the group. Like he was like, apart from just like his weird social weirdness and fixations on on violence and stuff like that, he was pretty normal, but man, like, and he, you know, he had a mental disability, like he did. Um, like not a, not a severe one, but it was severe enough that he just didn't fit in clearly to normal society. And I'm I'm curious now like where he is now and, and what he's doing, but like, I mean, I'm very grateful that he probably doesn't have access to guns. Uh, Cause yeah, man. And I just think like, yeah, the stuff you're talking about, I mean, he had, I guess what we were doing was trying to give him some community, but it wasn't a community he wanted. Like he didn't want to be associated with these like kids with much more severe disabilities than himself. But I I almost think the reason he was there was like, that was his only option for like social activity and social contact. And his parents probably like pushed him to do it because otherwise he was probably just sitting in the house playing violent video games all day. Um,
2: yeah.
1: So yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Like with, to me, like you just can't have a society where people have easy access to guns, no matter how good mental health care is. And no matter how good, how close the community is.
0: No, definitely. There's always going to be people who are just crazy or, you know, Mm. whatever, have mental health problems. Um, and yeah, yeah.
1: But, yeah, um, probably uh, covered everything we wanted to cover. Um, Any final thoughts? Uh, You know who's really good at closing podcasts is those blocked and reported guys. Oh, yeah? when When they each do that joke at the end, it's like, and remember. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: that, that was good. Um, I, mean, I don't think I could come up with something on the fly. I wonder if they prepared that in advance.
1: I can probably pause it and like think, <laughs> and, then, and then come up with it. So I like, mean,
0: I was gonna say uh, something like Jews will not replace us, but <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't know if I could get away with it, even though I'm Jewish. So
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I could do something about like the only way to fight replacement is like interracial marriage. And then you you can't be replaced because your your white DNA is like infusing in, like into the... Uh, <laughs> no, into I, the I
0: think you need more like... Non-white I
1: don't DNA think ball. that would work. Okay. Well, all right, let's not do that. <laughs> let's not do it. All right, cool. Um... Nice talking to you. Uh, Have a great uh, weekend and talk to you soon.
0: Yeah. I hope that next time we'll have something more uplifting to talk about. Uh, It's kind of depressing, but.
1: When have we ever had something (laughs) uplifting? That's not what we (laughs) did.
0: I know. It's like last last time we were killing babies and this time we're killing school children. it's just like, can we maybe.
1: You were killing babies. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: Uh, all right well Although,
1: you know as a foreign student i did promise to like, defend the u.s against its enemies so even if the unborn babies are the enemies No, that, that's. Right. <laughs> anyway so <laughs> great 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 okay
0: all right. all right
1: talk to you soon this is going to take some heavy editing this episode yeah all right
2: all right, all right bye all right